everyone, this is Dylan. And this is Fortune, also known as A Restless Mind on YouTube. And welcome to episode six of Cinescussion. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite trends and movies in Korean cinema. <laughs> and we have dogs playing in the background that we can't control, so just giving you a heads up. It's been a week, and uh, <laughs> it's been a month. Apologies on uh, the tardiness of uh, episode six, but we're, we're happy to be back. Yeah, we promise not to let this happen again. Uh, okay. Before we jump into uh, some of our favorites in Korean cinema, I just wanted to do a quick review or thoughts and feelings about uh, Nia DaCosta's 2021 Candyman. Uh, I had a chance to see it in theaters a little over, a little less than a week ago. Um, and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I'm going to go over kind of a few pluses and a few things that I think could have been better. Um, as far as pluses go, Nia DaCosta and whoever her cinematographer was, knocked it out of the park. The film, it's visually stunning. It's beautiful. I hate to say, especially for a horror movie, but I'm going to say, especially for a commercial horror How movie. How could that's you? A, you know, it's- You're buying into the, you're buying into the trope. I know it's a trope, but it's also, you know what else is a trope? <laughs> Having a remake sequel 20 years after an original. <laughs> I, this, this is true and I have no arguments so I'm gonna have to concede. <laughs> but that being said, uh, she's clearly incredibly talented. Uh, I also saw that she's going to be directing the Marvels, and I could see absolutely why they tapped her for it after watching this movie. It's beautiful. Uh, the cast of the film is led by Yahya Abdul-Mateen, who plays a, you know, a little bit of a cliche, but a struggling artist looking to find a new inspiration to partner with his uh, wife or fiance, who works as a sort of curator sharing his art. He plays an artist who hasn't had that new level of self-expression or that new inspiration that's brought him out of his previous work that brought him to a little bit of fame. Okay. He, uh, he explores the, uh, the projects that the original Candyman film was set into, meets a old timer from the area and hears about the stories and makes some decisions that leads him down a dark path. As you do but, <laughs> in every Candyman movie. You know what? But at the core of it, uh, there is a compelling love story there between him and his fiance, which is, you know, kind of interesting because it mirrors the original between the weird kind of love story that goes on with the main character, Helen, and Candyman in that yeah. movie. Yeah. And I think as a sequel to the original film, thematically, it... So it is actually a sequel. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It, okay. it works really well as a sequel to the original. Um, thematically, uh, the story that's being told, and as well, the, it mirrors a lot of the first ones in some really uninterest or uninteresting, in some really interesting ways that I didn't expect, that I really okay. enjoyed. So I would say it's one of those rare moments where to really understand what's going on in this one, you should probably see the first one. Yeah. 20 years later. Nice. Yeah, the yeah. first one, I had some, I remember the first one, seeing it as a kid, it, it did have some, like, interesting ideas for, like, the origin of a, of a, like, an icon, a horror icon. It had some interesting ideas in it, so. Yeah, I think when it comes to the slasher genre, I love Candyman. And I think it's had some really incredible staying power for being kind of the smaller slasher movie that it was it, during yeah, the time. for sure. I don't remember anyone at school being afraid of, like, Freddy Krueger or Jason. But I remember a lot of kids when I was going to school who would not say Candyman in the mirror. Mm -hmm. You know? So it had this yeah. certain level of urban legend to it that came out of the movie, too, which was pretty impressive. And Tony Todd just brought such a... Like a class, well, yeah, and a voice. That voice, bro. Tommy yeah. Todd just like uh, looks at you, and he's just like, "We've got to." And you're like, yeah. "Oh my god, the devil!" Like you're yeah, just yeah. like. <laughs> um, this one, I will say, some of the things I mentioned that uh, the acting is great, the themes are great. I liked the story that was being told more so. Um, the slow burn aspects in the first couple acts, I think the way it wrapped up was somewhat satisfying, somewhat lacking. No spoilers there, but. Uh, the ending both hit and miss for me in some uh, in some weird way. Okay. Um, and I would say, you know, something that was more of a miss for me was even though the themes translated really well from the first one and explored similar ideas 20 years later, the first one acted as an investigative movie with horror elements that had a little more subtlety to its themes, yeah. especially for its time. This one doesn't so much operate with a scalpel as it does a hammer with yeah. the message it's trying to translate in the movie. And that's what I've been told by a few people. Like it's very, it's very blunt about some of its messages, and that's not always a, a complete negative. But it's, it's also like 
does it end up taking away from the film or feeling like it's just pasted on top of the film, you know, or right. what have you? Like, Yeah, I think, uh, I was saying this a little bit earlier, I think <clears throat> there is a, a certain beauty and a certain art to leading somebody to what you want them to understand. And there's a satisfaction that comes with getting it. Yeah, you know, um, I agree. That's taken away when themes are very overt in movies. Um, but that being said, the themes work really well with the story. Um, the movie is particularly sad, particularly devastating in scenes. Surprisingly not as scary as I expected that's, it to be. That's um, another thing I've heard. They were like, it's creepy at times, but it's it's almost never scary. That's exactly right. It's a rated R slasher movie that feels very PG-13. I don't think I'm exaggerating where, oh, except for one, almost all of the deaths happen off screen. Um which was kind of surprising to me and a little bit unsatisfying, especially with it being kind of a slow burn buildup. We but, talked about that when we discussed Cry Wolf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. We did. Um, but that being said, the first one was also very investigative and also very much a slow burn. And one thing that I loved about the way Candyman interacted with the victims in this movie is Nia DaCosta has a lot of amazing sequences of tracking along where he is in a mirror. Mm-hmm. So the the victim doesn't see him like in the original but, movie, but, but the audience does. You can no, not even the audience. He can oh. only be seen in reflections. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, that's so cool. that she does some really really cool things with that. Um, so that being said, I I think if you like horror movies, I think you'll enjoy it. I think that if and Tony Todd does return as Candyman, correct? No spoilers. Oh, okay. Because I thought some people had said they read him in the credits. No spoilers. Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, no. Was my theory correct? No spoilers. Well, I, they don't know my theory. I'm just asking you. Oh, was your theory correct? I basically said from the trailer, you know, it seems almost like... Oddly, funny enough, yes and no. <laughs> you know, but you'll, you'll have to see it. Like I said, uh, it has to do with the way they've expanded the character in this movie. Okay, okay. So I think if you like slasher movies, I think if you liked the first one, you'll like this one. I don't think you'll like it as much. Um, maybe you will, but I like I liked the original a little bit more than this one. But I really enjoyed it. I recommend it. Um, I hope that it doesn't kind of catch on into sequel after sequel. Uh, the first one fell mm-hmm. into that trap where two and yeah. three were not very good, and I don't think this one lends to sequels very well either. Um, but it kind of would work better as just a one off and then let it go. And I yeah. have to say, in that first film, I don't know if they did in this film, but that first film, film, the ability of Tony Todd and apparently that actress to have what looked like completely covered in real bees. They work a lot, like, like, and I'm movies. like, so, I don't know yeah. if I could have taken that role. I'd be like, bro, I, they're going in my mouth. I can't do this. Like, so I, like... I was looking into that because I was doing a little bit of research because I was curious about that. Because I'm pretty the sure they looked like real bees. Tony Todd, for that scene where he has the bees in his mouth, yeah. he had a mouth guard. He actually did have the bees in his oh, mouth. Oh, I believe it. And yeah. he also had a clause in his contract that he would be paid an extra thousand dollars for every time he was stung. Did he really? Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Dude, that's smart too because they didn't have good CG back then and, and even like compositing like for that many bees, it had to be real. Like I was sure it had to be real. Like, right. Like, because, you know, they were covered. And there's a scene where she is too when she's laid on the the bed. Like she has like a bunch of bees all over her too at one point if I remember correctly. Like, or there's a few. So she, yeah. she clearly agreed to do it too. So like, yeah, they were, yeah, man. That's awesome. Um. Two other huge shout outs. I wonder how many from, times he got uh, stung, did they say? <laughs> they did. I know it was around 20. I don't remember exactly. Nice. But, uh, Extra 20 grand. Um, he was probably like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. More, more. More. <laughs> um, two more things in the performance department. I, I gave a shout out to Whoa. Yaya Abdul Mateen. So did my dog Rose. Um, <laughs> but um, also, Tiana Paris plays his, uh, his girlfriend in the movie. She's phenomenal and gets a lot of really emotional scenes and does really great with screen time. And I don't then, think I've heard of her. I'll have to look her up in some more movies now. I want to see. Yep. And then there's uh, an actor, Coleman Domingo, who plays uh, this character, William, who's kind of like the, if it was like an older movie, be like the stay off that road guy. There are stories in this town <laughs> kind of character. But he has a, he has a, Like the gas station attendant on the way to the cabin in the woods. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's, it's that character, but he has a larger role in this movie. He's like the storyteller. And gotcha. Coleman Domingo's voice just lends to it really well. And he has a certain like, earnestness yet creepiness that goes into it I, I really liked his performance it was cool awesome yeah that's good that's good so it's ultimately a decent movie you just felt like they were a little heavy-handed with certain things in a way that was a little overbearing to some extent is that is that a good wrap-up yeah i don't think it was overbearing i never felt like it was overbearing i just felt like it was highly overt and didn't leave a whole lot to interpretation gotcha yeah. okay 
which you feel is a bit less interesting. Yeah, I think it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. I can understand. I actually completely agree with that because sometimes yeah. it's like I, I like the analogy you used, uh, where you said it's more of like a blunt instrument basically than a scalpel. And, yeah. and I can totally understand how, like, I any subject matter, like, like, if it's so overt, it's like, okay, I got it. I got it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, or, or it's like, it, it's almost like distracting or something. Like, like I've seen, I've seen movies do that with, like, various subjects. So, like, and I, and I get it, though. I kind of get wanting to put, like, a good message or something in a movie. But, but I feel like probably walking that line of, you know, keeping that nuance is probably difficult, right? So I imagine everyone's trying, but yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, it didn't seem like the intent was to be a... Uh, I didn't see any intent of subtlety in this movie. I think it, uh, <laughs> I think it navigates uh, gentrification and class and race saying, this is how we feel about it. Gotcha. You okay. Know? Okay. Um, but I liked it. I recommend it. I would... Uh, I don't know if I'd give it a number grade because I don't really like that, but I would say I'd enjoy it. Catch it in theaters if you can. Uh, don't rush out day one. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I still plan on seeing it. I plan on seeing it that weekend, and then just a few things came up. So yeah. um, I might try to catch it. We'll see, because I'll be in Yakima this weekend with uh, my buddy Hunter. So who knows? Maybe he'll want to see it, because we both do love horror movies. So maybe Saturday night we'll catch it or something. Nice. Text me when you do. I want to know. Yeah, if we see it, I will let you know for sure. Yeah. Uh, on to the main event. So Korean cinema. Korean cinema which i want to say first off and i i told you before that i'd probably talk about this but i actually owe you for this because you guys might not know this but like i met dylan like over 10 years ago maybe 12 years ago something like yeah. that and at the time we were both we, we kind of became friends because we both loved movies and and you know just film in general mm -hmm. um but i actually had not seen i don't think i had seen a single korean film and you were heavy, you were heavy into korean in. films and some foreign films yeah. So uh, I was turned on to Carrie Fukujima because Sonombre, which was a great movie. Yeah. And, and then you recommended, you were like, have you seen Korean films? And you recommended a few of them. Yeah. And I think one of the first ones that I watched was I Saw the Devil. Yeah. And it is still one of my favorite films till this day. That movie is very needfully violent. Oh, it, it's so <laughs> good. And, and actually, I, I guess before we jump into films... I, like that's actually something that I feel like is indicative of a lot of Korean cinema. Yeah. If you really think about it, something about Korean cinema that I've always thought was really interesting is the best word that comes to mind for me in describing it would be uh, visceral. Uh, their their films are very visceral. They are very. They know how to put you in a situation that feels very real. It's like you can feel it. Like like whether it's a drama or it's a horror film, like you really feel like you're there and they go for realism, like almost, almost all the time. Like movies like good, bad and the weird are, are rarer, you know, yeah. uh, like, like, like when they go for realism, they're not afraid to go all the way. Um, and, and not just with violence, but like with the way it's portrayed uh, with mm -hmm. the sound design, the sound effects are real. They don't go for overly cinematic. It'll sound real, which actually makes it, more stomach churning sometimes yeah uh the performances uh, are like they're not afraid to have characters that show such a lack of empathy that it's disturbing yeah. um and, and i i love that though because it they're really good at not needing uh monsters or fictional things like they let the people be the monsters a lot of the time because in real life that's how it is like there's a lot of humans that are monsters unfortunately yeah and and they know how to uh craft scenes that just they feel so good and and i feel like they're also really good at storytelling in the sense that almost every time the ending of a film it feels so earned like yeah. you know like it, they're so good at that and i don't know it just it just seems like their films leave you just like you're just like i i freaking just love korean movies like <laughs> you're just like they're so good like yeah i uh love that you said visceral i think uh Korean movies right now, or at least, I don't know in America, but for people who have been really paying attention to like the major theatrical big releases in Korean cinema for the last decade, uh, violence is very much a staple. Yeah. But I like that you said visceral because it's not so much uh, being visceral in, in its violence, but they don't water down what they want the audience to feel. No. Like, even if the movie is stylized, even if it's, like, I'm thinking, uh, uh, was it The Man From Nowhere? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
which would be kind of... Uh, well, I mean, it's kind of stylized, but it's also kind of... To me, is. that movie reminded me of a Korean remake of The Professional. Is yes, basically that's what right. It was. But what I mean is that's a very cool movie. It's a yeah. guy in a suit who knows Kung Fu and Got it. Got it. guns and actions where you have these action scenes where you see something like John Wick and you're like, that was sick. That was sick. That was tight. Do that again. Backflip. Yeah. You watch this movie and you're like, ow. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. It's you know true. I mean? like, it's, it's true. Still, it's still cool. Yeah. But you just, you feel the violence that's going on a little you do. bit more. You know, it makes you kind of like you do. tighten up a little bit. Yeah, like even the end of The Man From Nowhere, which isn't a film we planned on discussing, but I love that film. Yeah. That there's like this ending knife fight where he takes out all these people and it's really awesome. Spoilers, I'm just saying. But like, yeah. you kind of feel like it's going to end some way like this. So I'm just being fair. Yeah. But, but like, even though there's a score, the score isn't brought up to loud volumes like they do in the US. It's very much sound design. You're hearing every slice, every situation. There is a score, but the score actually seems like it's in the background. Yeah. rather than like blaring foreground as it's happening like it would in American film. It it keeps you as the audience in its in your place. Like it keeps you in the room like the whole time. So even yeah. though it's climactic, it just feels really real the whole time, you know? And it still yeah. manages to feel cinematic too. So, yeah. um, and that's the thing because nobody wants to feel like you're just behind the scenes. You still want it to feel like a good movie, but you still manage to have it feel like it's it's cinema, but it's, it's visceral. Like, like it's, it's just visceral. Uh, and I feel like, it almost seems like that's a style in most Korean films. So, it, I, and I feel like a big part of that is probably because a lot of Korean cinema uh, filmmakers are probably, they probably like foreign films, but they're probably inspired a lot by Korean films because from what I was reading with some of the history is yep. they actually did um, kind of uh, sanction off there. They were very, very um, conservative for a while, didn't allow things. And then they also had clauses, which probably weren't necessarily bad for a while where they basically said, only like I think it was only like 16% of foreign films could be in cinemas at a time. So majority of the films that people were watching were Korean films. Uh, yeah. So 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 over time they kind of and that kind of went on and off and that varied over time based on lawmakers and how lax the system got and all that. But that means that a lot of those people who are who are big now mm -hmm. in that era were probably inspired by a lot of Korean films. So a lot of what you're seeing in Korea is their art form. It's like their version of what they did with films. And and, and this is just my opinion. But based on some of the reading I'm doing, that would make sense why it doesn't seem like what director you get. They all have different styles and they have different feelings, but they're all visceral. Like it seems like something that's innate in all. That's like one. It's almost like one element that you can find in almost every Korean director's style is they always end up being visceral. And I think yeah. that that would have to mean that the essentially the system that they grew up in, that they saw that's like their cultural style of filmmaking you know like i, I would right. think like that would make sense to me so yeah um the one i do want to get into i saw the devil but the For one sure. that i know most people have seen because a lot of people were shocked that a korean film was up for movie of the year at the oscars but yes myself following bong joon ho's me, me movie too for we went and saw it together yeah, i was yeah. i was i was rubbing my hands together like yeah. this is the moment me this too is the moment um and <laughs> What an incredible movie! What an incredible movie! You know what it kind of—you know what it reminded me a lot of. Uh, another movie that I really enjoyed, but I think this movie kind of delivered the message significantly better as far as upper class and lower class was. It reminded me of a uh, similar themes to uh, Jordan Peele's Us. I could kind of see that. Yeah, yeah, I could kind of see that as far as the upper class living yeah. off of the lower class to yeah. their a, detriment and having it being kind of a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, a, 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 bi a big thing a big thing was class, classism in that film. It was a huge, uh, I, it wasn't even subtext. <laughs> it was yeah. like just a huge part of the story for sure. Yeah, um, and one thing I specifically loved about Parasite, and I haven't seen it since, I've never seen Parasite's tone, and not, not only its tonal shift in the middle of the movie, but I've never seen the way that it carries comedy and horror and drama that way in any other movie before. I haven't either. Um, even when the tonal shift happens, I had a certain expectation. I was like, oh, it's about to become... I remember you and I in the theater because we both know Bong Joon-ho. Like yeah. A lot of people in the States don't, but we do. Yeah. So I did never saw a trailer for the film. Yeah. So I was like, oh, he's doing something a bit different. It's this comedic thing. But both of us, I remember, kept looking at each other and we kept thinking like, when's the other shoe going to drop? Because right. like, it was too, like, it was a great story already. Yeah. But we were like, we know Bong Joon-ho, so there's going to be some twisted something that happens. Yeah. And, and about halfway through the movie, you're like, 
so where's this going? When's it gonna happen? And the moment like the, the, the shelf woman. gets moved. Oh yeah. And, like yeah. we were like, I remember we looked at each other like, here we go. For me, for me it was when the woman came to the door. Yeah. And the rain yeah. and I was like, huh. But you know what was interesting? And actually, not to discredit Bong Joon Ho, but just from my experiences with movies, that's where I was like, this is gonna be a complete tunnel shift. This is where it's gonna get really dark. Mm-hmm. And it does, but but it stays funny. It does. Throughout the whole movie. It Even, really does. And that's what was so impressive to me. Like, it definitely got dark and the tone shifted to something much more serious. Yep. But it never lost its, like, kind of criminal, fun-loving nature to it. You yep. know what I mean? Even when it got, no matter how dark it got and messed up it got, the characters remained, in a way, hateable and lovable at the same time. Yeah. Which you yeah. really don't expect, especially by the end of the film. Yeah. Like, you're just kind of like... <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well, yeah, what yeah. was it all worth <laughs> yeah 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 i love i won't lie about half of the movie every time i saw him i couldn't stop laughing it's so metaphorical <laughs> yeah <laughs> so metaphorical i was like i was like i'm sorry kid this kid definitely this poor guy <laughs> i don't know what else to say <laughs> that's why the ending what ends up happening I, I hated but I was almost laughing I'm like I know it's terrible but I couldn't stop laughing that damn rock like I, I was know. just like bro I was like it had to I just done. imagined like is this metaphorical <laughs> you know like as you're thinking <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyone who wants to explore if you really liked Parasite um Memories of a Murder is his Memories really of a Murder film is amazing. To me, the best way to describe that movie, it's like seven. Yeah. If it's like it's like the seven of Korea. But yeah. like yeah. to me. Like yeah, that's, it feels that way. So you know what I mean? Um also I know we talked about usually humans being the monsters, but he also directed a hell of a great monster movie called The Host. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting one. Cause I have because yep. it was universally praised and yeah. everyone loves it. And I have like kind of mixed feelings on it. I, I, I liked it, but I also found in that film particularly, yeah, the reason for the comedy works because a certain character is is he's somewhat like mentally disabled, right? Yeah. Like 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 he he's not he he's functional and everything, but he's he's a bit slower than other people. You know, he he takes him time to understand things, and he doesn't always think things completely clearly. But he's kind of also kind of watched over by his was it the father mm-hmm. i think you know the father yeah yeah so it's 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 kind of like this situation where i ended up really liking the movie but i felt like there are aspects of it that feel the only way i could put it is like weird but like i don't yeah. and i know and i don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing but it left me like i liked it but i feel weird about it and i don't know how else to put it but like it's like yeah. i liked it but because of that aspect and then some other things that happened some of the things that seem weird are explained by what I just spoke of. Yeah. But it also still makes the movie feel really weird sometimes, you I, know? I feel, Which I think is might have been what was really interesting about it, you yeah, know? like It is super weird. And I think Bong Joon-ho, even when his movies get violent and dark, like, the tongue always stays firmly planted in the cheek. You uh, know yeah, what I mean? For no sure. matter how serious or how <laughs> messed up it gets, the point is that we're only taking this as seriously as we want to. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I could see that. I and that's what's that. kind of interesting. All of his movies feel that way. Memories of Murder, less so. That movie feels yeah. really straight, kind of cut the to di- the point. The directing in that film is so yeah. masterful. All I have to say, guys, if you guys ever see Memories of Murder, I remember it. I only saw it once, and it's but this scene is fairly vivid to me. There is, like, a scene where they're talking at, like, a table while there's another guy doing stuff on the couch behind them. Yeah. And if you watch this scene all the way through, the blocking of everything, the direction is, it is a master director at work. Like, like it yeah. is it is so good. Like, uh, I still haven't seen Okja. I have not seen that. Oh, I need that to movie, watch. like, is so painful. Is it in a good way, or? But, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like Bong joon yeah. <laughs> It's also firmly tongue-in-cheek and incredibly dark. And like funny because Jake Gyllenhaal and Tilda Swinton are there and they both play these like cartoonishly <laughs> evil people. Uh, but then the main characters are very grounded. You know what I mean? It's all. Oh, he used Tilda Swinton again. After, yeah. After Snowpiercer. Yeah. Because her yeah. character in Snowpiercer was 
kind of hilarious yep, yep. Ocho was great. I liked Ocho a lot. And I think Paul Dano pops up as a kind of this, uh, <laughs> what's the animal rights organization? PETA. PETA? Yeah, like it's like PETA. Let leader. me guess, he's kind of crazy and nutty. Uh, like, 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 the... like too into it. Very Paul Dano-y. I you mean. know, funny enough, they play, uh, he plays it pretty straight. Like the PETA, Really? They're, they're clearly, they go very far in what they're trying to do. So it gets kind of uncomfortable sometimes, but they play it really straight. That's actually really interesting because I feel like Paul Dano is really good at playing either someone that you kind of don't like and he's weaselly yeah. or you have this situation like prisoners where you don't know if he did it or not. Yeah. And he's like, has this look about him though that you just don't trust. Right. Like, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know how else to put it. Like, I feel like that's why when I heard that they cast him as the Riddler, I was like, yeah, I can see this. Like, yeah, like I can totally absolutely. see this. When like, I saw Paul Dano pop up, I was like, yeah. And then when yeah. I saw Colin Farrell as a penguin, I was like, no, but then I saw a picture and I was like, yeah. Yeah, you're like, wow. Like, yeah. I, I wouldn't even think that was Colin Farrell at all. Yeah. Well, like, not at all. I was like, all right, Cobblepie, you got me. Speaking of which, I need this Matrix Resurrections and the new Batman uh, trailer. I Like, I need them. Like, people saw Matrix Resurrections trailer at Cinecon, Cinecon or whatever. Batman, and, yeah. and, and apparently the the people over the Matrix trailer went nuts, and it looks amazing, apparently. Yep. And also, interesting enough, Lana Wachowski wrote and directed this one herself without her sister. Really? Yeah, because her sister had just transitioned as well and they had just finished Sense8 and I had saw in an article, I believe she said something along the lines of, you know, we had just finished Sense8 and I had just transitioned and, you know, like a lot of things were happening and it was like, she was like, I'm kind of exhausted and I don't feel like going backwards to some extent. Like even if the idea is good, I feel like I've done the Matrix. Move forward. So I, she, she moved forward. So she actually is one of the, I think the lead writers on this HBO show that actually, I'm not, no, Showtime show. I'm the, on board the, with whatever the Wachowskis do. Me, me too. Um, I actually still do. need to see Sunset. I've seen the opening episode, and I heard it gets really interesting. It does. Uh, uh, but uh, but yeah, she has her own show on on Showtime, and cool. I and I think it just got picked up for season two. So she's doing her own thing, and then Lana wrote and directed The Matrix herself this time. But I think yeah. she also, I think uh, I believe her writing partner this time was actually the person that helped write Sense Eight stuff with them as well. I believe got it. is what happened. I'm so, excited for it. You and me I, too. Uh, I, you are. You love the Matrix. I love the Matrix. The Matrix trilogy the Matrix. is like one of my favorite movies of all time. It, it, it's my Star Wars. Yeah. Like, like the first Jurassic and Park and the Matrix trilogy the are basically my Star Wars. You're like, not wrong. It is objectively better than Star Wars. I don't. I like it more. I don't know why I'm choosing violence today, but it's <laughs> very better than Star Wars. <laughs> but I think you're of the mind. Are you more of the mind? Because I know there's a lot of fans that love the first Matrix uh, and either hate the next two or think the second one's okay and then hate the third one. I think the entire trilogy I'm, is a masterpiece. I, I, I do. I'm weird. I don't know if my opinion is common. I think the first one is a masterpiece. I think the third one is phenomenal. I think the second one is really great. Interesting. So you like the third one more than the second? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. See, I think the whole trilogy is fantastic. Like, yeah. like to me, I think it's really, really underrated and I feel like to some extent it's misunderstood. Like, 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 to me, me and my friend Sean had this. I know this isn't Korean cinema, guys. I'm just caveating for a second. But me and my friend Sean yeah. had this conversation, like, 10 years ago. Like, he used to get off of work. I would, too. We were, like, in our 20s. And we'd meet up at this Arco and just chat because it was, like, you know, 1 in the morning. And, yeah. we came, like, you can even ask my friend Sean at some point if you want. But we came with the conclusion. We were like, well, the interesting thing is Agent Smith is the one. Like, two. Mm -hmm. like, like, technically, there are two. The machines created Neo as a system of control. That's the twist at the end of the second movie. Yeah. Uh, everything you knew is destroyed. Ha, ha, ha. But he's never walked in that door before. He mm -hmm. always, I, I mean, he always ends up going to the other door and resetting the metro. This is the first time he doesn't. And unfortunately, also, what he did with Agent Smith has never happened before either. Yep. So essentially, his code got copied onto Smith, essentially making Smith the one as well. Right. Like, like, but the problem is he's, like, in computer language, he essentially becomes a virus, right? Mm -hmm. But in the sense of the one prophecy, he ends up becoming the one like Neo, except if you think about it, He's actually affecting the Matrix more like the 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 legend says that the one will do. I mean, Neo does crazy cool things, but he doesn't alter the Matrix itself much. Agent Smith literally alters. I mean, by the end of Revolutions, it just looks like a green hell, yeah. basically. Yeah. You know, like like so so the machines unintentionally created a real one yep. that they now couldn't stop, so that they now need Neo to stop on their own. Which yep. which I thought was fascinating. Like it, mm -hmm. it's like the story is like the computers had this bit of code that they didn't expect to happen and it fucked up and it created this situation that now even grew beyond their control. And it's like, yeah. and I thought that was a really cool idea for a plot because the Wachowskis are very philosophical and I love philosophy. So I can totally understand why the first one, 
follows the, the, the hero's journey almost to a T, right? So if you, if you like that like that classic hero's journey, you do get that. So I understand that. And then the second one essentially is a deconstructionist approach. So it kind of destroys everything you thought you knew about. The, and people don't like that. Yeah. I personally find that really interesting if it leads somewhere more interesting. Right. And I thought then that where it led was actually really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, except, And also if you listen to what the Oracle said, what's interesting about it is this is like what the sixth time that this has happened. So it, 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 it it makes sense that if you think about it, the Oracle every single time has been trying different things to yeah. try to find a way to stop this. Yep. So what she ends up doing with the Matrix, uh, giving Neo the right information, then letting Agent Smith absorb her, this is another attempt because of an option she saw. It's almost like a, it's literally like a Doctor Strange thing. Like I've seen all these options. As a matter of fact, this is the sixth time I've tried so many things. I think this could work, you know, like, yep. but, but, but she's basically tried and failed every time. This is another attempt. And this attempt essentially by the end of it works, but even though it works, it's a stopgap. You know, it's like a, who says that they're going to maintain peace forever? Who says, right. you know, so it still ends in a way that's not completely resolved, but it, it it's a resolution, but you don't know if it's going to last, right? So it's kind of like, I don't know. I thought it was really interesting. That's what it's, they should call this new one is Matrix Resolutions. Apparently they called it Resurrections. Resolutions right. would be funny. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. Mine's better. <laughs> Mine's better. I actually love Resolutions. That's hilarious. Just so you know, this is the last one. For like yeah, exactly. <laughs> It it's gonna be amazing, but it's resolutions. Every Hollywood's given out twenty-year sequels. We won't <laughs> <Right. want to. laughs> pretty much. Okay, but back on track. Um, oh, one other thing I'll say is yeah. there is an amazing YouTube video. I don't know the name of it, but if you guys want to check it out, search uh, "Snowpiercer" sequel to Willy Wonka. Speaking it, of, it is amazing. It really Someone is amazing. did this amazing yeah. YouTube video where they're like, "What if Charlie from the Chocolate Factory grew up to be the train conductor in Snowpiercer?" And, it's the, compelling. and, the, and the crazy thing is, you know, it's not true, but it's so compelling yeah, it's that it compelling. is a fascinating video. So, to the YouTuber who did that video, props. Like, yeah. it's so interesting. Like, you know, it's bullshit, but you can't stop watching because it all fits. It's so it's interesting. Also not. It's one of those it's like so the movies are just connected now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's almost in, like you just see it. It's like eye, after you've seen Wicked, you can never watch The Wizard of Oz I, the same again. I think so, <laughs> three movies that are forever connected in my mind, I think I found it online. They called it the Yellow Lights trilogy. Oh no. And it was Collateral, Drive, and Nightcrawler. And I was like, I can that see is that. clearly dude, a trilogy. Dude, that is actually, yeah. you yeah. know what's funny? You yeah. could totally do that. Yeah. That should, dude, if, if you guys are listening to studios, you guys should do a deal and package that as like a three box yeah. set. <laughs> like it's true. No. And I love all of them. Nightcrawler being my favorite though. Drive, yes. is, drive is number two though. Drive, drive is my favorite. Drive was until Nightcrawler came out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just... I, I love Drive. I, I loved, not only did I love the movie, I loved everybody making fun of the movie after it with like so the far... Scorpion Jacket jokes. Yeah. I, I thought so it was So far that's fun. the only film from Nicholas Winding Refn that I thought was amazing though you know i was so excited about him and then i, I like, like his quote bad movies i think there's just something like, like his movies are so so i have to say they're interesting he's so up his own ass in his <laughs> movies. like watching only god forgives and valhalla rising i'm like you are so pretentious but i'm unironically really enjoying this <laughs> <laughs> I can like the Neon Demon. I actually love yeah. the first half. Like I, I was like, I don't know what people are talking about. This is awesome. Yeah. And then it's like halfway through the movie, it becomes a completely different film. Yeah. And actually, it's like I understand what he's going for, but it was going so well that yeah. I was actually more irritated that I didn't get the ending for the first half that was set up. You know. And then I found out later he paused production he in the middle of it, it right? and he rewrote it in two weeks. And I'm like, yeah, it feels that way. It's like. It really he does. God, it's I, like, oh. Working with him must be so frustrating. <laughs> like, it must be so... I watch his movies, and I'm like, God, this is the most beautiful thing And you have I've so much potential. Like, the actors are giving it their all. It's incredible. And he's clearly very talented. He and is. Everything like, negative about it is the director's fault. Like, <laughs> Unfortunately, it's like, you know, all the good is his fault, but then... Yeah. The negative is but always too. I, I think that's what I really love about his movies is I love uh, director identity. And yeah, he has such I style, do too. Like, his really slow burn neo techno kind of style that yeah. he has going on. Neo techno is a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. Like I love it. Okay. Um, and, and that I, actually, I, and see, the crazy thing though is, I think it's cool that we're talking about Nicholas Winning Refn because he's another filmmaker that I feel like when he wants to do it, he's really good at visceral, yeah. which is a lot like Korean cinema in a way. I feel yeah. like. 
I almost feel like in some ways he'd fit in in Korean cinema if mm -hmm. he made certain other decisions. <laughs> but there are some scenes that remind me of like a Korean film. Like there are scenes in Joe yeah. Drive that if you had said that was in a Korean film, I could totally believe it. Like, yeah. like no joke. There are also totally. some, there are also some scenes in the neon demon that I could 100%. If you had taken that and said, Oh, this is from, you know, Lee Woon Kim's whatever. I would have believed you like, yeah. like, like no joke. So, um, I know, I know we got to get back to Korean films, but if Nicholas Winning Refn would just like turn down the dial just a smidge on metaphorical and turn <laughs> it up a smidge on story structure, I think he, I think he nailed it in Drive. And I think that's no, why he did. He just nailed it. It in was Drive. the perfect balance of everything. Yeah. And it's a very simple story. It's, Super it's, simple. it's literally the method that he chose to present it to the audience that made it interesting. Style skyrocketed over substance. It is substance. style over substance, but yeah. it worked beautifully. Yeah. You know, with great performances yep. that are kind of nuanced, really, because Ryan Gosling, that's kind of how he is. It fit him yeah. well. Like, like he kind of, like, did his thing. <laughs> like, yeah. he was, like, he was, like, you mean I don't have to say a whole lot? Sweet. Like, he's, like... <laughs> Every time he delivered a line, I'm sure Nicholas was, like, do it again. Yeah. Slower. Slower, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably right. Why? Because a... later when you get violent, it's going to be terrifying. Because like, but even when you get violent, slower. Don't say much. Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. No, no. Should I grunt? Slowly. <laughs> um, what are you doing? I'm dumping lots of blood on you. Yeah. Um, I'm going to transition from the Yellow okay, Light trilogy, perfect. though, to another trilogy of films uh, that's all revolving around theme. And that's... Uh, my boy, uh, Park Chan-wook. Yes. You know, I finally got you to see Old Boy. It's only yeah, a decade. because I had been a decade. I had seen Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, but I had not seen Old Boy, and I have not seen Lady Vengeance yet. Are you sure Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance wasn't the first Korean movie I showed you? I feel like it might have been. Because I was that? You know what? I think that was before I saw The Devil. It was. Yeah. Because I remember like going, yeah, it was good. I didn't love it, but I thought it was good. But Because yeah. I remember after that, I was like, yeah, it was good, but like, you know, like, like, is it something I'd want to watch over and over again? Not really, but it was no. a good experience. But then I saw, I saw the devil and I was solidified. I was like, okay, like that was, see, that was more my, like, I liked sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, but it's like a slow burn all the way through. Uh, but it definitely has, from my memory, it definitely has elements of what makes that director really great though. Like his, he is not afraid to show people in a very specific light. He's also not afraid to let a scene breathe like sit on a scene and yeah. let it just do its work you know like yeah. it doesn't seem like anything is really forced on the audience you know what i mean right is the best way to put it i don't know how else to describe it yeah so the vengeance trilogy uh the middle chapter of this trilogy is the one that most kind of korean film lovers are familiar with it's old boy which, which we'll was fantastic into. um but it starts with sympathy for mr vengeance it's uh followed up by old boy and concluded with lady vengeance and the this trilogy of movies doesn't follow uh kind of traditional trilogy story what kind of holds them together are their actors director and themes and, and and yeah the theme the main theme is revenge it's, it's all a, it's essentially revenge. that's why and it's then, called the vengeance trilogy yeah yeah, yeah exactly and, it's almost uh, like an anthology well it's not even an anthology because they're different characters but they're all right. they're all revenge stories essentially they're all revenge stories the first one is incredibly solemn and if you have a evil wicked sense of humor like fortune and i pretty <laughs> funny unfortunately because <laughs> it kind that, of is. that movie is like okay so let's take a story where bad gets worse <laughs> And literally for two hours and worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and it gets to the point where I, you're right. We were, I was laughing. Sickeningly worse. And disgustingly worse. Yeah. Pervertedly worse. Yeah. And you're like, is this entire movie trying to bring me down? Because like, instead I'm actually just, it's more of an upper. Like, because, I was like, like it's really, just funny. Because you, you actually think the movie gets so sad and so dark that you think like halfway through that. It can't get this is where things have to start kind of like wrapping up. Yeah, like, that's... they can't continue to bring down these characters. <laughs> exactly. And that, but everything makes sense. Like eventually, yeah. like a fucking yeah. course that would happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But then you're like, but oh wait, you're wrong. Like and it's it, gonna keep getting worse. It's, it's a movie uh, about a kidnapping. It's about a, a yeah. young couple who wants to kidnap a uh, wealthy man's daughter uh, and hold her for ransom. And <laughs> things don't go as planned. No, they really you know, don't. Things do not go as planned. I'll leave that. Um, there are a lot of oopsies. There are a lot of oopsies. <laughs> uh, I highly recommend it. I, I would really not re dark oopsies. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend it for anybody uh, who 
kind of has a more sensitive stomach um, or is a little more sensitive to tragedy. I, I, I would say true. Yeah. Because like, like I said before, Korean films are very visceral. So when stuff happens, you see it. And, yeah. and you you feel it. They want you to feel it, which I think is great because it actually doesn't make, it doesn't glorify the violence. Like, even though there's a lot of it, you feel like it's a terrible thing. Like, you know, you feel it through your bones. Like, like I feel like you could almost be a, an apathetic person and these movies yeah. would still in that moment make you feel empathy like I, for people. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times... Uh... American cinema will hold your hand in a way where a tragedy will happen. Yeah. And you'll sit with it for a moment, but then the follow-up scene will give you some sort of closure to yeah, it. Yeah. You know, you'll that. see the character get back up off their knees, or you'll see yeah. something happen to where the story can continue. Korean mm -hmm. movie, something terrible happens, and the story just goes on. It does, yeah. You know? Because that's... But what I like about it is that's more indicative of real life. That's yeah. how real life really is. So it there's something about that that that's just part of that quality, you know, like it, it it's very real. Yeah. Like regardless um, of what story is being told, it's going to feel very real. Yeah. Um, middle chapters, old boy. So when I think of Korean cinema and I'm like, all right, what's the, what's the gateway drug here? What's the real piece de resistance to get somebody into this style of Korean thriller that I've fallen in love with? Old boy is kind of that Holy grail. It's not even my favorite anymore. It's yeah, not my, it may still be. It's not my ways. favorite, but I liked it quite yeah, a bit. Yeah. Uh, there's actually a few. I, I, I saw the devil is one of my faves. Like yeah. I, I, I love, I saw the devil. Um, actually, I think I like memories of murder more than, uh, old boy as well, even though I love yeah. old boy quite a bit. Yeah. Um, what were your overall thoughts? Like if you had to give a 35,000 foot review, <laughs> um, I thought it was interesting. Um, I thought that, I like that it jumps right into it, and I like that it tells you nothing. Like, like, like yeah. I like movies like that because basically what the director and writer are doing is it seems like they're intentionally they're intentionally starting it off in a way where you have to pay attention. Like, mm -hmm. like because you don't know what's going on, the person doesn't know what's going on, so you're learning as they do, you know, with yeah. each every minute. So you have to pay attention because if you screw off or you're talking to your friends in the theater, something's going to happen and you're going to miss it, you know, because yeah. no one knows what's going on. And I like that because it immediately draws you in. Um, I remember about like halfway through, I was liking it, but I was like, there's a few ways that this can go. But I'm like, I feel like if it's one of those ways, that's fine. I could see why it would be popular for its time, but I still think it's good, but I don't think it's that great. Yeah. And then like a few things happen <laughs> yeah. and uh, I was like, Okay, this is more interesting than I expected yeah. it to be. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, talk about like revenge. Like, yeah. like, like that's like. Have you like, ever the, been the, so mad? I know. The revenge. Yeah. I think I've ever. So mad. Like, I have hated people. I've yeah. had misanthropic days where I hate humanity. Yeah. And I don't think I ever would have thought of something like, like this. Yeah. Like, this is like so much hatred that, like, I. I mean, of course, it, it's totally fictional. Like, yeah. Uh, but if you could do it, like the idea of it is, and I won't spoil because the ending really is twisted. And, yeah. and and the cool thing is, you'll be like, oh, I figured this out because you and and I thought I did, and I was right about that. But that's not the twist. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what's interesting. You think that's gonna be a twist? Oh no, that's yeah. just that's just a character. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you're just exactly. like okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that ending is uh, and the performance from from him like like that lead he's the same guy who's the villain and i saw the devil and yeah. his performance in that scene without spoiling Troy it, yeah his performance is so good like it yeah. is so good like to go from what he was just moments ago to what he becomes out of what he feels is necessity in that moment yeah. is so good and i feel like it's so human it you know what it mm. reminds me of my favorite scene in Saving Private Ryan, mm -hmm. the scene where the guy has the knife and he's talking shit and he's going to kill the guy. That chokes and me the, up And then time. the moment the knife gets flipped on him yeah. and he's losing and he starts begging for his life. No, no, please, please, please. Yeah. That's so human because you're talking yourself up to try to go through with it. Yeah. And then when it fails, you're begging because you don't want to die. And it, it's so human. And I feel like that's what that scene reminded me of an old boy as well. It's like the yeah. flip is so... Yeah, like that scene, in, it, 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 it makes me cry in Saving Private Ryan. I've only seen the movie once, but yeah. it made me cry. And it wasn't just that someone dies. It, it's how human and honest that moment is. Uh, it, yeah. it, it, things like that really get to me.
because because uh, I feel like it's yeah. something we can all relate to. We've all talked shit to pump ourselves up or, or said something, and then if it flips, you know, you become this almost like child in your mind that's terrified of whatever is happening. You know, you know, like th- that's yeah. a normal thing. Uh, you know, I um, could nerd out over Saving Private Ryan forever. Uh, the other scene that that's my favorite scene in the movie, but I also love the scene where uh, Vin Diesel's character is shot by the sniper. Yeah, that was and a everybody great scene surrounded too. him. And but yeah. the, the line that I really love is he pulls the. He knows he's going to die, and he pulls the letter to his father out of his pocket, and he says, it's a letter to my dad, and he's trying to pass it to uh, his uh, his partners, his, yeah. uh, you know, militia. Or, uh, his squad. His or, squad. Yeah. And he says it's got blood on it. And, like, that's what he's concerned about in that moment. He wants that letter to his father to be clean. Yeah. You know, and it was just that little line where I was like, my heart. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's true. It, yeah. It's, it's a great movie. Yeah. Something about war movies, though. Like, I like them, but I usually only need to see them once. And it, even mm-hmm. if they're really good, it's just a subject matter that... I feel like I've just seen it a lot, even yeah. when it's good. So it's yeah. almost like played out because basically the biggest wars we've had were, were the biggest moments in history we had were world wars. So they've yep. made so many movies about them, even if they're really good. I'm like, oh, I loved it, but I don't need to watch it over and over again. <laughs> so like even Saving yeah. Private Ryan, I love Saving Private Ryan. I loved, I, I liked Enemy at the Gates quite a bit as well. Yeah, um, I was a fan of that one. Anyway, back to Korean cinema because we're, uh, we're going to do this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in regards to uh, Old Boy, I totally agree. Also, uh, kind of comparing it back to the way Candyman handled it seems, this the themes in this movie are with a hammer, just bangs you over the head. This movie's about, can you come back from revenge? Can you come yeah. back from revenge? Can yeah. you turn into another person and come back? And it's kind of, it's carried by the, the character's inner monologue. But just like, you know, so many of these movies, no matter how dark it gets, it's so funny. It, it is. the entire movie. I said that to you. Yeah. I was like... I did not know how funny Old Boy was. Yeah. Well, I, like I, I was completely shocked. Like, yeah. like over and over, just from like the haircut to like, yeah. there is a, uh, I don't want to spoil it. There is a, there is a scene involving him with a guy who's on a ledge ready to commit suicide. <laughs> yeah, that is, it is so <laughs> funny that when it happened. I actually didn't, my mind for a second didn't believe what happened just like, happened. Wow, like, I can't believe you went through that. Yeah. Now it, let me tell you my story. It was so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that it's just like a medium wide. It's just like, ugh. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you, and that was funny enough on it. Like, I'm trying not to spoil it, guys, but what happens in itself is an amazingly tremendous joke. Like, it's yeah. funny. But then just 10 seconds later, there's an addition to that joke that is ev- that is just as funny, if not funnier. And you're just like, wow. Like, I don't even know what else to say. Like, it's... And the ability to handle... It, it, and that's another thing that we were talking about earlier. Korean films are so good at handling real stuff with a comedy. Yeah. And they can go between them so quickly in a way that you think wouldn't work. But yeah. they make it work. And it, it's so... It it's feels, interesting. It feels like a level of commitment. They say... No matter what happens, we're gonna stay with the characters. And you know what's, you know what the true thing is is when you take yourself personally out of situations that can be tragic. There's always going to be a level of comedy there. I, I would agree. Like, you like I, I mean? tend to laugh at things that I think are horrible, but I can't help finding the irony in it, or, we, or whether or, or be, the coincidence is just ridiculous. There's or whether whatever. it be irony, or if you don't expect something to happen and it does, like yeah, there are just things where we we just laugh. Yeah, you know, it's true, and it's that doesn't take away from the pain of it or the tragedy or the terrible things that happen. But when you remove yourself from it and you look at it from a structure of what's going on, you're like, "That's fucked up." It's funny. Yeah, you know it is, I mean? and it doesn't make you a bad person. I think that's yeah. the whole thing with the human mind. People are like, "Oh, that's awful." It's like that's not true. People react to things in different ways. It doesn't yeah. mean they're not empathetic. It doesn't mean they're bad. But you react. You could see something terrible and laugh at it because maybe the way it happens, it looks funny for a moment. And your first thing is to laugh and then your brain catches on that something awful happened, you know? Yeah. But like, that's human. That doesn't make you a bad person. So, I mean, I think that the fact that they're they're willing to, to like you said, commit to these things, yeah. it's really great. And, and the the fearlessness of it is is refreshing. Like, it, yeah. it's really refreshing. And also, Bong Joon-ho, didn't he also do, uh, I know we're talking about this, but I know we're talking about Chan Won Park, but as far as Bong Joon-ho, didn't he also do Mother... Uh, Bong Joon-ho did do Mother, yes. 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 Mother's another one I recommend to you guys. It is. Yeah. It, it's a movie that, like, it's a movie where I guessed the ending, and I was not 
sad that I was right. It was great. Like yeah. I was literally like, it would be funny if blah. Yeah. And then it's yeah. it's hilarious, but it also makes the opening scene, which you realize is also the closing scene. Yeah. It makes that scene like the way it ended. I was laughing so hard. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> like it, yeah. like it's a great movie with great tremendous performance from that actress who played the mom. And also the guy who plays her son is actually the lead in the the Man from Nowhere. Yep. That's, that's the right. same guy. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then just to close out the Vengeance trilogy, it concludes with Lady Vengeance, which is probably the most somber of the three movies. Also, in my opinion, the most beautifully directed of the three movies. The camera work is just absolutely incredible. And unfortunately, I don't know the, the lead actress's name, but she just knocks it out of the park in such a way that blew me away. Um, quick plot synopsis is a woman goes to jail wrongfully. Uh, for a crime that she did not commit. And when she gets out of jail, her only goal is to get revenge on the people that put her there. And, Sounds like my kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, there's not as much action as Old Boy. It's not as hilarious or tragic as... Well, it can be construed as that tragic, as a um, sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. But I will say the there's a certain scene that will always stick with me in that movie. And it is... a a group of parents that are watching a television in a, in a school room. And that's what I'm going to say. They're dressed in these kind of tarp rain jackets and they need to sit and kind of review some footage from earlier in the movie. Mm -hmm. And it's probably one of the heart most heartbreaking scenes I've ever seen. Seriously? Seriously. Um, I gotta, I gotta share it with you, but the way that trilogy wraps up is incredible. Uh, Park, uh, Chan Park Wook or Park Chan Wook also went on to make uh, a uh, American movie called Stoker. Yes, um, which I have not seen. I believe that was written actually by uh, the lead actor in Prison Break. I forgot his name. But uh, was it Matthew? Oh no, not Matthew Fox. No, that's, no, uh, that's lost. Um, uh, Prison Break. He also played uh, in Resident Evil. He played uh, Chris Redfield. Oh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that with any pride. I just didn't <laughs> didn't happen to know. Uh, Wentworth Miller. Wentworth Miller. I think okay. he, I I think he wrote Stoker. Actually, I'm, uh, I'm gonna look it up while we're talking. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. I won't get too far into it because I would rather talk about uh, Park Chan Wook's most recent film. I think it's his most recent film. It came out a few years back, but actually, my favorite of his films is called The Handmaiden. Yes, I I that's on my list of of movies to see. Yeah. So. Let me know when you watch it. Um, also, not for the faint of heart, the squeamish, or. Um, anybody uncomfortable with depictions of sexuality in film um, because the movie pulls no punches. The story is beautiful and heartbreaking and terrifying and all of the things that if you love Korean cinema, you'll love. I know, um, I know the plot. The plot seems interesting in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, it's when uh, Korea was still occupied by Japan. Right. Correct? And then mm -hmm. essentially uh, it's a, it's a lesbian love story. Yes. In the midst of their occupation. Yeah. Correct. Okay. That's absolutely right. Because I know that that's the setting, which is an interesting idea already. Yeah. Especially back then, because, you know, people are more open to a lot of things now, but back then, especially in that culture, it would have been super, super taboo, right? No. So. Yeah. Super taboo. And it's the entire movie is taboo. No. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm end, sure. <laughs> it's it's a wild ride. Um, but it's, it's beautiful. It's incredible. And I recommend it to uh, everybody. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like one that um, we should probably talk about and, and possibly wrap up with. Yeah. Um, the Wailing. Yeah, this one you saw very recently. It's uh, been I a just couple saw. years. Okay, yeah. I, it's been on my list. It's one that was on my list. Uh, that and Burning, which I recommend yep. Burning. Burning was fantastic. Yep. Um, I haven't seen the director's other film. I think this is like his first big movie, actually, which mm -hmm. is he was... He doesn't show it. Burning is fantastic. Confident. Super confident. Burning is like a two. Did you see it? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, you did. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I finished it. Oh, that <laughs> ending. Okay. So what I like about Burning is the ending doesn't answer a question for you because essentially there are a few versions of what you think happened that you could come up with because essentially the character also mentions earlier in the film that he's a writer and he's trying to write a story. Yep. So what I like about the film is essentially by the end. You don't know if what happened literally happened or if at some point he started writing the story and this is the story yep. that he's writing or if 
part of it happened and then some of the rest is the story. Like, you don't really know. Uh, and what I like about the film is the first 45 minutes is very slow and somber. You're just getting to know the characters in Burning, right? Um, and it seems very simple. And you're kind of getting... Oh, and, and God, uh, oh, the actors are great. Um, but, like, you're getting to know the characters and everything's good. You get to know their lives. And it also gives you a good sense of the city and geography, like where people live, um, which is important. <laughs> um, and around 45 to 50 minutes in, the story starts to get more interesting. You're like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, this is interesting. Yep. And you're basically like, could it be? You know, <laughs> is the best way to put it. Yep. And what I like is by the 45, 50 minute mark, from there to the end of the movie, the movie just gets more and more and more and more interesting. And, yep. and, it, and, it, and it keeps going further down a rabbit hole. And, and you start to see what you think is happening, what he thinks is happening. You don't know if it is or isn't. You don't know what's But certain things on. make sense. And then there are escalating factors that lead to decisions. And (laughs) (laughs) it's what I'm trying to say without spoiling the movie. And by the end of the film, what I like about it is there are multiple interpretations that could all be right. The fact that they set up the idea that he's trying to write a story, he doesn't know what to write. And then there are sections where, for instance, he's in an apartment writing at one point. You don't know. It's almost like the top scene from Inception where he comes in, where he comes in the room and yeah. there's all the people sleeping and he spins the top and then the top falls. He never gets to finish it. Yeah. From the rest of the movie, is the rest real? You don't know. Right. But like, you know, it, it, it's kind of like that, but with a writing perspective to me, like yeah. that's how I felt about it in a way. And I thought it made the movie very interesting uh, to me. Like yeah. I, I remember I was like, like really pleasantly surprised with that movie. I was like, by the end I was like, I, I kind of fucking loved it. Like, I, I kind of loved the movie, like, by the end. Um, the fact that it is ambiguous, but it's also kind of not, because it gives you evidence. It could be one of, like, there's, like, at least three theories it, that it are most you likely. everything you need to come to your own conclusion. Whatever. But the problem is you can come to at least which three are, conclusions yeah, exactly. that make sense, which yeah, is yeah, funny. Yeah. Like, um, I'm a sucker for a ghost story. What did you uh, think of The Wailing? The Wailing... Yeah, The Wailing, I really liked it. I had one gripe, yeah. and it's essentially that... The thing about The Wailing that I liked is it's a it starts off with something that gets your attention. Yeah. And then it's kind of... It's not a slow burn because things are happening throughout, but it moves at a slower pace, and it's two and a half hours long, right? It sticks with its scenes. It sticks with you know? its scenes, It sticks with its sure. scenes. It doesn't move along. Not a whole lot happens. No. You know no. what I mean? Well, seemingly... A decent amount of things happen in this town, but they're yeah. they're isolated incidents, and right. that you're following the police officer, the lead, and and his group and his family, and essentially you're kind of just watching him experience these things as they happen until certain information starts to get revealed, which causes questions to arise, and then the we'll just say that the the um the story starts to immediately affect him in one yeah. way. Or another that he can't control. Yep. So suddenly the the information that he's got, now he has to investigate it because there are bigger things at stake. Yep. Um, and what I liked about it was it's one of those films where I was like, oh, I figured this out early on. I know what it's going to be. And then you almost think you're right. <laughs> and then... <laughs> you're not. There's like a moment where you're like, no, you're not. And it's actually way more interesting than that. And it's actually more complex than you thought it was. Because it's something that I don't think anybody would consider. Because the way certain characters are presented, you're almost like, like there's a scene involving a witch doctor, and you're almost like mad at the lead for stopping the scene from happening because yeah. the witch doctors almost succeeded in saving her, seemingly. Yeah. And that's one scene I don't completely understand in retrospect. Once you find something out, because there is a physical thing happening. Which means that... Oh, actually, that is explained later. Because the physical thing's happening to this person, but it wasn't caused by what you thought. For clarification, when Fortune's talking about a physical thing, in this story, a ghost can't touch. A ghost can't touch somebody. Yeah. Right? If if a ghost is... If if someone is a ghost, it can't touch someone. It has no physical form. It looks like it does until you try to touch it. right? Right. Essentially. And there's something that's happening, and then it's cutting to a parallel ending sequence, and you're thinking that ah, this is being exercised or whatever. Yeah. And and it almost, you're like, when you find it at the end, the twist, you're like, well, then why did that happen in that scene? But then you realize what happened directly after that scene yep. 
in the woods and you're like oh yeah <laughs> it makes sense uh, so it, it, and i know this sounds odd because i'm not describing everything but it's because we're deliberately trying not to spoil too much because it's actually one of those films that it's like two and a half hours so if it's spoiled it probably would ruin the enjoyment of figuring some of these things out we're trying to excite you guys and show our passion but also yeah. these are some of our favorite movies that we want you to experience yeah. going in as blind as we did because that's one of the beauties of foreign films is they're not advertised commonly they so really are we don't get the story that the trailer tells us it, it's we just true. get people's recommendations and say that sounds pretty good and you sometimes know? the editing for the trailers is actually totally mismarketed and like completely like yeah. it's marketed as something that it's not yeah. so like what it ends up being is actually really good but it's not what you expected yeah. and that's not fair to the movie because right. if you watched it expecting that kind of movie even if it's a good movie you might like a, a good example of this they did to an american film was um uh, what was it called? It Comes at Night or whatever? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, but that was yeah. advertised like As a monster, a monster movie. movie and this yeah. dog's barking at something. In and it's darkness. nothing to do with a monster movie. It is a great movie, though. I yeah. think it's actually a good movie. The problem is most people were really unhappy with it because they went to it thinking it was a monster movie in the mood for that kind of movie. Yeah. So even though it's good, you're more just irritated that you felt like you were lied to. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Totally. Um, and I felt like, I felt bad for that movie because I felt like it was a very competently directed film. The tension is great. It's it's very human. The cinematography works really well for that movie. It was good. Um, yeah. I was pleasantly surprised, but I was, I did also, at first was disappointed about halfway through when I realized it wasn't what it was claiming to be. But yeah. The Wailing, it lives up to being a great ghost story. Um, yeah. I only have one gripe and my gripe is essentially I hate movies where essentially a plot works because people don't talk to each other it and, and, and it's not, and it's not a huge, uh, uh, offender in this, but there are some minor moments where you feel like if someone had just explained in more detail, yeah. the ending probably wouldn't have worked out the way it did. Right. Um, totally. and, and it's not a killer for the movie. It's just something that I felt like I was like, I love this movie. because, And I feel like even so, the ending is tremendous. Like, like the ending, like the last 15 minutes of this movie is, I think it's fantastic. Like aside from that one thing, mm -hmm. um, it is fantastic to the point where I actually had goosebumps mm -hmm. and I was really happy. I remember being just kind of like just jaw dropped <laughs> watching the screen and I was just like, and I remember like two or three times my brother was uh, next to me playing games or whatever. And he probably heard me say, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I love when a movie does that to me. Like it, it, it like invigorates that thing that I love about being really surprised by something. Like, and I, I love that it did that to me. Like, yeah. it, like when I think about it, that one thing, you know, diminishes a little bit, but I'd still give it like a, a, a good or a great. Like, like I feel yeah. like it almost was more than a great, you know, but but it's still a great movie. Like, uh, and the yeah. direction was really good. I actually thought the direction was pretty great throughout the film. Um, I also felt like the lead is a an odd character that you would expect yep. to be the lead in that movie. Like, like it just it, you're like when you first see him, you're like, oh, is this the next person that's gonna get killed? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. A lot of the the kind of lead filmmakers in Korean cinema, fortunately, we. I think we're just so jaded because we've spent so much time watching so many stories that like we get extra excited because by the end of the first act, him and I are like, you think this is going to happen? And we're like, yeah, and like this 95% exactly of the time, the movies end exactly how yeah. we, sometimes we've even seen trailers and from the trailer, we're like, oh, this will happen. And then that's exactly the movie. Yeah. Like, you know, so we're, we just, it's hard to catch us by surprise. And a lot of times, whether it be a violent scene, like it's very rare that I'll see a violent scene and go, Ugh. you know, like you know that yeah. Was, yeah i didn't like that i don't want to see that again yeah happens all the time in green cinema it's very yeah. rare that something tragic happens and i'm sitting there like momentarily heartbroken yeah it happens all the time also Korean cinema. Korean cinema is one of the few genres where you can be legitimately heartbroken and then the very next scene you can you have tears in your eyes because you were crying yeah. And the very next scene, you're laughing uncomfortably because yeah. something's really funny, but you feel bad about laughing at yeah. it because it shouldn't be funny. Exactly. But it does it, and it does it seamlessly. Like, it, it, it's 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 just kind of an amazing gift that a lot of Korean directors have. Or maybe it's part of that culture of cinema that I was talking about. Maybe it's something learned. But I've rarely seen a, a, a cultural zeitgeist of films that are so good at weaving between those such contrasting emotions without it feeling like like emotional whiplash like it just feels yep. like it works really well yep exactly so 
we hope that you uh you guys take a chance to see some of the movies that we've listed today. For sure. We hope that if there's anything we missed, any directors or films that we didn't bring up that you think would be really great for us to see. Agreed. Uh, please let us know because we will watch them. Yes, please. And uh, like a big reason why we're not doing too many spoilers on these is because we know a lot of people, especially in the United States, a lot of people haven't seen a lot of Korean cinema. So they're not things that are widely as seen as other things that we do spoil. So we really almost want to encourage you to see some of these movies that we mentioned and maybe look up some of these directors uh, because we really think that you'll like them. Like they're, 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 they're a breath of fresh air. And even though each director has their own styles, they're, they're, they tend to be excellent movies. And I, and I really think that you'd enjoy them. Yep, yep. Um, we don't have an announcement for what the next episode will be yet, but I'm sure within the next couple of weeks, we'll both see Shang-Chi. Uh, I, I'm probably going to see that this weekend. Like I have Monday off for Labor Day. I'll probably see it Monday if you want to join me. You're welcome to. Yeah, yeah. We may. Yes. I know uh, my fiance wants to see it too. We may see cool. it once before that and then I'll okay. see it again. Yeah. Either way. Um, and then, yeah, I think Paramount has pushed all of their other films into 2022. So I think we may be going back to Delta variant, yeah. Delta variant and everything being back on streaming soon. It seems like that's the way the wind's blowing. So uh, Shang-Chi might be our last kind of big release. Yeah, um, we'll see how it goes. I also understand safety, so I'm not yep. necessarily against uh, those decisions. But it is a bummer because I was getting used to the theater again. And I do love it so much. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, but... We will have a new hot topic for you guys in a couple of weeks. We uh, appreciate your patience and the, the few days this ep uh, that it took to get this episode out. And we promise that we won't ever be late again. Like, like, like we do Tuesdays every other week. We'll make sure we find a way to make sure that they're out. Unless some sort of Korean film tragedy befalls us. This is true. Like if I can't get out of bed, like right. if, I, if I'm that depressed, then... Hopefully you guys, after seeing these films we recommended, <laughs> will understand our pain. <laughs> and if you give us some movies to watch, we can stay in bed and watch them. You know? For sure. <laughs> Remember, if, if you guys follow us, uh, leave some comments. Uh, also, it really helps us, guys, if you uh, like our podcast on different pages, just so that it shows up more in searches. It's really great. And on uh, you know Apple, Google, those places that like allow you to leave comments, please let us know if there are films you want us to recommend, because who knows, we might even watch them and do a whole episode on some, like I would actually love to do an episode on a bunch of film of films that you all recommend. Like that would yep. be great down the line, so. Absolutely. Uh, thank you guys. We look forward to chatting again on episode seven and we hope you have a great week. And we'll see you next time.